Thank you, Brother Keeley. I appreciate that. And it's been a joy to be with you folks. And let me encourage you. We have the honor of being with you Sunday school and Sunday morning. And my wife is going to speak to the ladies on Sunday morning. I'm going to speak to the men. I'm going to speak on the model of Mordecai, some lessons from a, a godly man in the Old Testament, some things we can learn from his life. And my wife is going to speak on? Rizpah. Rizpah. No, you find out who she is. <laughs> okay. Uh, but she's a Bible character as well. And then I'm going to talk about in the morning service how God could use you. Let me encourage you to try to bring a friend. And I'm going to say this. If you'll bring a first-time visitor on Sunday, I will give you and the visitor a free CD. If I run out, I'll send him to Brother Keeley. He'll give them to you. All right, so give you a little incentive there and uh, try to bring someone. I think it'd be a blessing to them and uh, be an encouragement to your pastor as well. How many of you ladies have ever had your husband criticize your driving? <laughs> Pretty much everybody. Uh, my friend from Nicaragua put up both hands back there. Okay, now. <laughs> uh, this is not Benny Hinn, but we'll move on from there. So, men. I want to show you something, that your wife is not that bad of a driver, all right, no matter what you think. All right, a few pictures here. There we go. Okay. She say, help, I think I'm stuck. The next one here. <laughs> your wife has never done that. Can I have an amen to that? All right, next one here. It's on the train tracks, folks. How did this happen? <laughs> Pretty amazing. Next one here. I love that. But she got it in there. All right, next one here. Oh, is that not just painful to look at? You know, I thought I could fit through there. Okay. All right, next one here. Just look carefully at the gas tank of the blue truck. Okay. It was detachable. Yeah, there you go. So, next one here. There's a lady policeman, and uh, that was fresh cement there. Okay, there we go. You just wonder what she's thinking. <laughs> Cut that a little short there at the gas station there, okay. And uh, here we have someone riding a motorcycle. I love that picture, so uh, it doesn't quite fit like that, okay. And uh, all right. Yeah, Florida, you don't have to wear them, so that's a good situation as well. That's a blessing. I heard that was a, a there was a judge. Let me use my phone to prop this up so it's a little higher. That was interviewing someone about divorce, and I'll just say this: I counter this as grounds for divorce. He interviewed. He said, "What are the grounds for divorce?" She said, "Well, about four acres, a nice little home in the middle of the property with a stream running by." He said, "No, no, no. What is the foundation of this case?" She says, "Well, I think it's concrete, brick and mortar." He said, "I mean, what are your relations like?" She says, well, I have an aunt and an uncle living in town, and so do my husband's parents. <laughs> he said, do you have a real grudge? She says, no, we have a two-car carport. <laughs> he said, please. He said, is there any infidelity in your marriage? She said, yes, both my son and daughter have stereo sets. <laughs> we don't necessarily like the music, but the answer is yes. He said, ma'am, does your husband ever beat you up? Yes. She said, about twice a week. He gets up earlier than I do. <laughs> and finally... In frustration, the judge said, lady, why do you want a divorce? She said, I don't want a divorce. I've never wanted a divorce. My husband does. He says he can't communicate with me. <laughs> Men, some counsel for you. What not to buy your wife for Christmas, anniversaries, or birthdays? Number one, anything that has a plug. 
that's seen as a working object, okay? Don't buy clothing that involves sizes. Don't do this. The chances are one in 7,000 you'll get it right. Your wife will be fitted the other 6,999 times. Do I look like a size 16? She'll say. Too small a size doesn't cut it either. I haven't worn a size 6 in 20 years. So nothing with a size. Then, now, don't buy her anything useful. That new silver polish that will save hundreds of hours of polishing? <laughs> she doesn't want that. No brownie points for that. Don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. A six-month certificate to a diet center is not a good gift. Okay, enough said about that. Then men, don't buy jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants, you can't afford. Oh. And the jewelry you can afford, she doesn't want. <laughs> can we say Claire's? Okay, moving on here. <laughs> Finally, don't spend too much. She'll say, how do you think we're going to afford that? She'll ask. But don't spend too little. She'll say, is that all I'm worth? So you take her to the ball, you let her buy whatever she wants. That's good. A few other things about couples. I heard about a lady who wanted to marry four types of men in her lifetime. She said each one would help her with the things she'd most. First, she wanted to marry a banker. Second, a movie star. Next, a clergyman. And finally, a funeral director. When asked why, she said, one for the money, two for the show. Three to get ready and four to go. So there you go. <laughs> this is a real quote. Socrates once told his students, by all means marry. If you get a good wife, twice blessed you will be. If you get a bad wife, you become a philosopher. <laughs> That's pretty good. There was a little girl, four years old, cute, inquisitive, etc. And uh, when she was expressed difficulty in grasping the concept of marriage, she was just four. Her father decided to pull out his wedding photo album thinking visual images would help her. Page after page, you point out the bride arriving, the entrance, the wedding ceremony. He says, now do you understand? She says, I think so. This is when mommy came to work for us. <laughs> Be careful about that, Ben, as well. So, thought about that. This is my definition of barbecuing. This is true of my family. The woman goes to the store. The woman fixes the salad, the vegetables, the dessert. The woman prepares a meal for cooking places it on a tray alongside the necessary cookie utensils, takes it to the man who's lounging beside the grill. The man lights the grill, places the meat on the grill. The woman goes inside, she sets the table. She cooks the vegetables. The woman comes out to tell the man the meat is burning. <laughs> <laughs> the man gets off the hammock, takes the meat off the grill, and hands it to the woman. The woman prepares the plates and brings them to the table. After eating, the woman clears the table and does the dishes. Everyone praises the man and thanks him for his cooking efforts. Right? The man asked the woman how she enjoyed her night off. Upon seeing her annoyed reaction, he concludes, there's just no pleasing some women, right? <laughs> Not good men. Then I thought this was good. A couple had been debating the choice of a new automobile or a new truck. And uh, the lady was going through a little bit of a midlife crisis. She said, you know, I want a little sports car, something I can zip around in. She said, you know, what I really want is something to go from like zero to 200 in like four seconds or less. And she said, and my birthday is coming up. You can surprise me. For her birthday, he bought her a new bathroom scale. <laughs> Final statement, services are pending. All right, so. Finally, the seven stages of the married cold. First year, sugar dumpling. 
I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle. There's no telling how bad this will go. You, I'm going to take you to the hospital tonight. You stay there till you get totally better. I know the food's lousy at the hospital. I'm going to bring you carry out from Olive Garden. Second ear. Listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. I called Doc Miller and asked him to rush over. Now you go to bed like a good girl and I'll bring your favorite, KFC. Third year. Maybe you better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. And don't worry about dinner. I'll go get you a Whopper from Burger King. Fourth year. Now look, dear, be sensible. After you bathe the kids, wash the dishes, and finish the floor, you better lie down. I'll fix something to eat. Have we have any canned soup around here? <laughs> Fifth year. Why don't you take a couple aspirin? We don't have leftovers again. Sixth year. I wish you'd just gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal. You'll feel all right as soon as you fix a good meal. <laughs> Seventh year. For pity's sake, stop sneezing. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? You've got to ruin my appetite. <laughs> not good. Not good. We don't want to do that. So now I realize that we have about 30 minutes left, and I'm going to move quickly. But I'm going to share something with you that I believe, obviously, is biblical, but I also believe it can be very helpful to you. I've entitled this Seven Foundations for a Strong Family. Seven Foundations for a Strong Family. Let's pray before we start. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll bless us in these next minutes. I pray that I'll emphasize that which I ought, and I'll delete that which I shouldn't emphasize. Please help us, Lord. I thank you for these good friends here. I pray you'll bless them as they have the afternoon together. I pray you'll bless the services on Sunday. I pray that uh, we might see some visitors in church, Lord. And Lord, I pray you'll help each of us to strive to be the spouse that you would have us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7 very quickly. Matthew chapter 7. The Bible says this in Matthew 7, verse number 24, a very famous story about the wise man who built his house on the rock. Greg, it's the first book of the New Testament. All right, moving ahead. Just kidding. Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them should be likened to a foolish man which built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want my house to stand. Now, 37 years. A good start after talking to someone here with 53 years of marriage. What a wonderful thing. Um, but you know, you say, well, good night. Nothing's going to happen to you guys. You're in your 60s. I know of a pastor. You would know of him too. We used to go there on tour. And in his 70s, in his 70s, his wife had passed away. He did something wrong and lost his pastorate. The Bible says, he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Can I also say this? The stronger your foundation, the stronger your marital house will be. So we need to look at seven foundations for a strong family. Number one is prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer. Pray together. Pray for each other. My wife said to me this morning, I'd already prayed for her. I said, she's not praying for you this morning. I said, I prayed for you this morning. 
I appreciate her prayers. I have a widow in my class. Her name is Mrs. Davis, Marie Davis. She takes my preaching schedule. I travel a lot, and she'll know when I'm preaching, and she'll pray for me while I'm preaching. That means a lot. She knows where I'm at right now. I, I'm thankful for her prayers. I miss my mother. She died over 25 years ago of cancer. She prayed for me. Does your spouse know you pray for them? Do your kids know you pray for them? By the way, it's one thing to do. It's another thing to let them know. That will encourage them. Uh, a few things about prayer. Letter A, pray regularly. Pray regularly. Daniel, evening, morning, at noon. The psalmist said, early will I seek thee. Secondly, letter B, pray offensively. You know what, folks? Our families are supposed to be going forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're going forward. God's word says to occupy till I come. Pray offensively. Lord, help us to accomplish more as a family. Help us to accomplish the things that are good for you. I believe in having savings plans. I have them. Uh, I believe in paying off debt. I mean, I've got two houses, my main house and one rental house. I'm trying to pay it off in the next couple of years. I want to have that paid for, right? The borrower is servant to the lender, by the way, right? That's a Bible verse. The borrower is servant to the lender. Get rid of debt. If you have credit cards, get some help. Get rid of the debt. It'll, 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 it'll help, you know, lighten the load of your life. But can I say this? Pray that God will use your family. Pray that God will use you and your wife. Some of you older folks, when my wife and I were in our early 20s, we had an older couple, probably in their 40s, who were so kind to us. We still remember that. They were so kind. Took us out for some meals. They gave us some good counsel. They were just gracious. It was, so, it was such a blessing back then. I try to do that with young staff members. Uh, recently, one of the guys who works for me, Jesse Jones, who he knows, I provided him a night away and gave him a Starbucks gift card and took him out for a meal. Right? I'm trying to encourage him. That happened to me one time. I still remember Dr. Evans, uh, my mentor in college, gave me his credit card and said, I want you to take two nights away. Might have been one night, but at least I was down in Brown County, Indiana, where they have covered bridges, and said, use this for all your meals. And I'm telling you about it decades later. What young couple who's been married a year or two it might be a little blessing. What if you so what are you older couple said, you know, we'll watch your kids when you go out for a day night? That costs you nothing out of pocket, but it's a little time. And then after they come get the kids, you'd be glad that you are have an empty nest. But no, I'm moving on. So <laughs> secondly, pray defensively. And the disciples pray that ye enter not into temptation. Lord, keep me from temptation. Put a hedge about you. Letter D, pray intensely. Jesus prayed in the garden uh, of Gethsemane. He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. That's intense prayer. When was the last time you ever cried while you prayed or really prostrated yourself and prayed? Uh, then pray with your child. You know, Jim Alter, years ago, I was preaching for him. And his wife said, sweetheart, it's time for the kids to go to bed. He hopped up and said, went up to pray with them. He came back, I asked him, I said, do that every night? He said, every night. Pray with my kids. Interestingly, his daughter's going to graduate from West Coast Baptist College this year. Right? He took time to pray with them. Uh, and then pray with your spouse. I've talked about that several times. Uh, my wife and I do that. I, she went to sleep earlier than I did last night. But we went over there, I laid down on the bed with her, and we prayed together. Prayed about the conference. Prayed about our kids by name. Prayed about some people with health issues by name. Foundation number two is Standards. Standards. The Bible says in Isaiah 62, verse 20, go through, go through, go through the gates, prepare you the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out stones, lift up a standard for the people. A standard is another name for that in battles, a flag. People say, keep that flag flying. Maybe you see 
you know, some in the front of a group, they're carrying the flag, the standard high, right? Uh, maybe in Mel Gibson's film, whatever that was, uh, you know, Braveheart. Man, they're holding up the flag. They're following that. Uh, I'm kind of a Civil War buff. I've taught history for 40 years. And, uh, you know, as they charged up the hill, Pickett's charge, which was a failure, but as they charge up, someone started dropping by, so let's pick it up and carry the flag up. Carry the flag for a Christian family. What does your family believe? What are you going to stand for? All right. Uh, all this stuff with Mr. Kaepernick. I just, I think you have a right to say things, but I'll tell you what, I want to respect the flag. I really do. I want to respect the flag. And uh, I'm for that. By the way, that whole thing cost NFL about 12% viewers last year. I had people in my Sunday school class, my class is 60 and over. They said, I'm done with football. I'm not going to pay people who are not going to support the flag. A lot of these guys are veterans. You know, so we understand that. Well, a lot of times in a building or a company, they will have something on the wall that talks about that company and what it stands for. Anybody know what that's called? A mission statement. Can I have a I challenge you to have a mission statement, even if your kids are gone, for you and your wife? Great verse to build that on. It's 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. We're going to live to God's glory. We're going to live to God's glory. But have a mission statement. Maybe write down five things you want to do with your family. Right? How about encourage others? How about serve others? The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and gave his life a ransom for many. Uh, when we took Jesse and Danny down there, I let them stay in the Marriott. I stayed in the Comfort Inn. I had, I had hotel points there. All right? But I wanted to do something nice for them. He helped, he helped serve me all year long. All right? And that type of thing. So have standards. Uh, if you don't establish convictions for your family, you'll have problems. And a lot of people say, I don't like rules. When I drive up to Arrowhead or Big Bear, I'm glad there's guardrails on the side of the road. It's very steep, very winding. That doesn't bother me. It keeps me safe. And you need guardrails for your kids, especially for those of you who have children. You better have some guardrails about what they're watching. You better have guardrails if they have a phone. Better have some guardrails there. All right. Very important to think about that. Guardrails stand for protection and safety. Prison bars are punishment and bondage. Well, I feel like I'm in prison. I often tell the story. Before I met my wife, I dated a girl who went to a... Uh, Bob Jones University, and I met her my freshman year. I liked her. She graduated, and she got hired by my parents to teach at their school. She was from Athens, Georgia. I came back. I was not dating my wife at the time. We started dating again. And my dad said, I was a college graduate. My dad said, I don't want you alone in a car with her. I'm, going, I'm a college. I was, I was young. I was 21 at the time. He said, I don't want you alone in a car. And he said, I definitely don't want you alone with her in the apartment. I'm going, that is so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Later on, she eloped with a guy, the divorced gentleman was 20 years older than her. I wonder what would have happened if I had disobeyed my father in that. He had some standards there. I didn't like them. Can I tell you as a 61-year-old now? I'm glad. Probably wouldn't be married to my wife. Probably wouldn't have been in ministry for 40 years. Right? Standards there. Have some standards. Uh, I have a little statement I use to college students. Elevate accountability, you eliminate doubt. Elevate accountability, eliminate doubt. I try to come home by 6. If I'm going to be late, I call my wife. Let her know where I'm at. I don't want her worrying worry about me. She lets me know where she's at. She doesn't want me to worry. So have standards. Number three, foundation three is involvement. Don't be an absentee husband, an absentee wife. Be involved in the family. Be involved in your marriage. 
Involvement is knowing about your family. Now, I rejoice. My kids played sports. They were pretty athletic all through school. I mean, from good night till two years ago, three years ago, man, we were going to games forevermore. I've sat in so many bleachers. I think my back will be warped forever, right? And I'm glad those days are over. I mean, my girls started playing basketball in fourth grade, and then it went all the way through high school, basketball, volleyball, and they got to college, they played college volleyball. My son started playing basketball in fourth grade and played four years of college basketball. We went to a lot of games, right? There's times I would have rather been doing other things, but it was my child, right? Uh, my dad didn't go to all my away games, but he went to my home games, and I appreciated that. Right? That meant something to me. Involvement is knowing about your family. Involvement is interacting with your family. I read a story about a man named Bill Butterworth who is conducting a men's seminar, something like this. And he told about a man, that man had been heading back to his office on a Saturday morning. And I don't know if you're like me, um, in my work, and I guarantee you, Brother Keeley, the work's never done. It's never done. There's always more to do. The man was heading back to the office on a Saturday morning, and his seven-year-old boy sub-locked the door to try to stop him from leaving. The little boy had saved every penny for three months, which totaled $8.36. He'd broken the piggy bank, taken that $8.36, and had it there in his hands. He says, Dad, if I give you all my money, will you stay home and play with me? This kind of touched my heart. In John Adams' famous biography written by David McCullough, the story is told, as I remember, about him spending a day fishing with his son. They both journaled or kept a diary. Adams said, I wasted a day. John Quincy Adams' little boy said, this was the greatest day of my entire life. I don't have a desire ever to go to another NBA game. When my son was there, he loved it. We were there during the heyday of Kobe Bryant, and we'd go there, and I'd take him to some games. I don't want to deal with the parking. I don't want to deal with expense. I can stay at home, watch it on TV, and use my elliptical. I'd much rather do that. But there's some things we sacrifice for other people. Right? Be aware of that. Harmon Killebrew. Anyone ever remember the name Harmon Killebrew? He played for the Minnesota Twins. He was hit over 500 home runs without steroids. And uh, <laughs> Hammering Harmon, great baseball player, first ballot Hall of Famer, as I remember. Harmon Killebrew honored his dad at his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. He said, my dad was what have taught myself and my brother how to play ball. His mom came out one day and told the boys they were killing the grass. His dad replied, honey, I'm more interested in raising kids than I am raising grass. Interesting, isn't it? Involvement is being concerned about the things that are important to your family. Be concerned about things that are important to your family. This is a letter written by a young lady to her father on Father's Day. Dear Dad, you and Mom have been ideal examples of my life. Thank you for being an active father and supporting my efforts. There was never a time when I don't remember you attending a softball game, a tennis match, or track meet. You even came to my sorority banquets. I know that first year in college must have frightened you and mom, but thank you for allowing me to be real and give me some freedom with boundaries. I appreciate you allowing me to make some mistakes of my own. Thank you for not making me feel pressure to preach that. You let me be a kid, Dad. Interesting. You comforted me when I needed it most and guided me when I needed direction. A father's opinion of his daughter means the world to her. 
So when you say these words, I'm proud of you. Only then do I feel like I've accomplished something. Your words have built my self-esteem. Thank you. I want you to know that you have a daughter who loves her family and desires to know God's will for life. Thank you for loving me and taking me on those father-daughter dates. Even though my days at home are few, I hope we will still make time for those special dates. Thank you for giving me when I disappoint you, and thank you for your trust. If there's one thing I have learned oh so well is that Dad is always right. I hope someday I will make an impact on people's lives like you and Mom have on mine. Thank you for modeling a healthy, balanced life. Happy Father's Day. Wow. Wow. And I, I encourage you, if you have kids at home, have a special date one-on-one with them, son or daughter. Just, you have time to talk. Susanna Wesley, I've seen her grave at a place called Bunhill Field in England, who raised John and Charles Wesley, spent a half an hour one-on-one time with each of her kids, and she had 17 of them. Can you imagine how busy her house must have been? But she took time every week to spend at least 30 minutes alone with each of her kids. Designated. She reared two of the greatest men who ever lived in Christendom. Right? Made a difference in her life. Foundation four is training. Training. The Bible says this. This is train up a child the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, 1 through 4. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, ladies, sometimes we train our sons in ways we don't even know. A woman who just given birth to a baby was taking the baby to the office to show her off, and her seven-year-old son was with her, and he saw a soda machine. He says, Mommy, I'd like a soda or a Coke. And she said, What do you say? He said, Mommy, um, you're thin and beautiful. <laughs> he got his soda. Uh, she broke out the money and handed it to him immediately. The best parenting, folks, is proactive, not reactive. It's thinking ahead of time. I believe in teaching character to kids. Uh, I gave up my Saturdays for at least three years to teach my son how to work. We started a lawn business. He kept all the money. I have an earned doctorate, vice president of college. I drove the van and I mowed while he would weed eat and blow. By the time he got ready for college, he had 16, he had 60 some accounts, he had 16, but he couldn't drive till he was 16. But I want him to learn how to work, all right? Uh, teach him about giving. My dad gave us our allowance on Sunday morning. He showed this is our money, this is God's money. He taught us how to tithe. We believe in tithing. The Bible believes in tithing, right? He taught us that as little kids. So that's what we got allowance on Sunday. Otherwise, it might have been dissipated or disappeared, right? He taught us something there. Uh, par- parents need to see the goal clearly. Uh, do you have a vision? What, what do you want to see in the future? Well, what are you going to do to reach that future? We do that with different things. It might be with diet, it might be with exercise, it might be with reading. And people tell me, I, I love reading, it's kind of my hobby in life. People say, I want to read more. You know what my next question is? How and when? Or what and when? Because, ladies and gentlemen, that which gets scheduled gets done. There's quite a bit of work to get ready to come to a conference like this. I started working some of these messages a long time ago, picking things out, picking humor out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? What are we going to do? Getting airplane flights. I mean, in this notebook, there's 10 different tabs that all deal with this three-day trip. Right? Um, in general information right here, it has my airfare information. It has the inf- general information. I have Brother Keely's phone number on my phone, but I have all the things I need to know. You know why? Because I've gotten places and I didn't know who to call. They didn't know where I was at. That goes in there every time. I'm planning ahead. Didn't need that. Brother Keely texted me before I got off the plane. You know, I let them know what was going on. So, but you're going to think about that. Just like I think everyone here ought to have a will. If you don't have one, that's not wise. 
You're going to lose the money in probate, right? Decide what's going to happen. I had a friend call me the other day. Uh, he wasn't in church for a long time. He moved to Pennsylvania, and I got him going. He's coming going faithfully to Valley Forge Baptist Church. His name is John Eamon. All of a sudden, he's having huge health problems in the hospital, on a catheter. Maybe I shouldn't have asked him this. He's 67. I said, John, did you ever get a will? I don't know if he did anything for the Lord or the Lord's work. But he said, yes, I got one. I said, praise the Lord. Right? Why? A wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Well, the same thing is true with our family. Right? We're thinking ahead. We're seeing the goal clearly. Effective training, this is so true, involves repetition. In my family, and I'm not saying you have to do this in your family. Uh, my kids don't necessarily do it with their, my grandkids. But in my family, people had to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I know my Marine friend would like that. Okay? Um, it's doing things decently in order. It's giving honor to whom honor is due. And I tried to tell my, in fact, today I was talking to my grandson this morning on FaceTime or whatever it is. And uh, he said something, he corrected him, he said, yes, sir. <laughs> he knows I like that. He's seven years old, right? Can I say this? I had to repeat it a lot of times. My mother used to correct my English. I'm glad she did. I talk all the time. I want to do things grammatically correct, right? So you say, I've told you this seven times. That's okay. Tell them again. Tell them till they get it. It involves repetition. Very important. And training involves accountability. Training involves accountability. Are you going to follow through and make sure they do it? A wish without a plan is just a dream. It's a hope. How are you going to help them to learn this? How about character? How about truthfulness? Modesty, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Number five, number five, community. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I was so thrilled. Brother Keeley told me about a pastor who graduated from our college, who he taught in college, who's calling him for advice. He's in Ohio now. I, th I think, you know, I'm thrilled about that. I met this man in the year 2000, 18 years ago. He was, a, he was a Marine in Okinawa, Japan. I was preaching there out just outside the Kadena Air Base. And uh, he wanted to be a contemporary Christian singer. Well, we don't do that kind of music at West Coast. But I said to him, I said, why don't you come for one year and just take the one-year Bible and help your family? He had a couple kids. And I said, I said to his wife, Lori, Lori, you think it's biggest? She goes, oh, yeah, we need that. <laughs> you know? Well, they came. He got called to preach. He's now been a pastor for over 10 years. He's seeking counsel from Brother Keeley. I'm so thrilled about that because a wise man will hear and will increase learning. If you see someone who's done a good job with their kids, ask him about it. Ask him about it. Uh, I think when Pastor Chapel's written two books on parenting, it might be good to read them. He has four kids who are all in ministry today, and they all went to the altar pier. There's something to be said for that. I know another guy wrote three books on marriage, and three of his four children are divorced right now. I'd rather listen to Pastor Chapel's advice right now. It makes a little more sense to me. So I think that's self-explanatory. Uh, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together. The greatest source of community is your church. Make church the place, not the bowling alley, not the swap meet. I like thrift stores. I like swap meets. I don't want my kids' friends to be the ones at the thrift, thrift store. They're not going to listen to the same music. They're not going to say the same words. They're not going to say the same stories. I started to say this years ago. I learned very quickly that you have to stand up for Jesus. When I got a job at a restaurant, this restaurant was in St. John, Indiana. I worked there seven years. One side was nice, fine dining, salad bar, china, linens. The other side was a coffee shop. Well, there was a truck stop right next to it. These truckers were always telling waitresses jokes. They come back, wait, this is a joke I hear. I have to say, if it's not a clean joke, I don't want to hear it. That might sound a little prudish. You know what? I don't want to put garbage in my mind. 
And they started calling me Mark the Baptist. Then I actually hired my brother, John the Baptist. So it worked out great. So, but let them know. So what are you going to put in your mind? What are you letting your kids put in your mind? Be careful what they're watching, folks. A lot of stuff in Netflix. If you're going to bed and let them watch what they want, probably not good. Probably not good. Why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Be very, 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 very careful about letting your kids spend the night at other people's houses. Kerry Schmidt said that. He said, I never let my kids spend the night somewhere else. I'm going, that's just too strict. I mean, I was letting Mark spend the night at Deacon's house. Later, later on, I found out some things we were watching. I would never let him watch our house. I won't say his name to denigrate him. And a few other things as well. Not good. Not good. Go to the effort to have everybody to your house. Have a cookout. Let them play there. But be careful. Garrison Keeler, since he's had to resign his thing with Prairie Home Command, he said, adults no longer dare to influence other people's children. You should be able to discipline other, another person's child up to a point. Children can be influenced by all kinds of people. Pastor Chapel told me when my daughter was in college, she says, I wouldn't let your daughter marry that guy. I listened to him. It was her one true love. He went on to marry somebody else. They got three kids. I saw a picture of the other day. It was unbelievable. He's a West Coast Baptist College graduate. You know who he is. Hair down to about here, died, goes to a place I never want my daughter going to church. I'm glad I listened to my pastor. So if your pastor gives you some counsel about your kids, man, I'd listen to it. He wants your kids to do well. Just, of course, you do as well. But sometimes as parents, we give in on things because it's easier to give in than it is to fight. Enough said. Number six, direction. Direction. What are some qualities to help your children pursue? Well, number one, letter A is identity. I'm going to give you a statement. I don't know if it's there in your notes, but this is so powerful. Acceptance is the greatest atmosphere for change. I love you the way you are. I'll always love you. All right? Uh, God forbid that my daughter is married with my grandkids ever got divorced, but I'd still love her. She's still my daughter. All right? Love's there. We're not always going to be proud of something our kids do, but the love should be unquestioned. All right? I sent my oldest daughter a book this week, and I sent her 20 bucks, and she thought it was money from CD sales. I said, well, $10 was, I sold somebody three CDs, and my kids sing together. And I said, 10 was from a CD, 10's from your dad. So what you know, I'm thinking about you. I love you. Um, she went through a tough time. She didn't have insurance, and a little girl slammed the door, and her arm went through the door, severed a ligament. Her life was playing the piano and instruments. Had to have special hand surgeries, well over $10,000. Uh, I asked some friends for money. I sent her money. Probably sent her a couple thousand dollars the last two years. He said, well, it's her fault she didn't have insurance. I love her. All right, we know that. Moving on, character. Uh, how your child responds to authority in life circumstances. Teach them to honor people who are older than them. I think the young man ought to stand up when someone older comes in the room. Offer a seat to someone. Open the door for someone. Uh, relationships relate to all sorts of people. And then I hope as far as, this is the most important one of all these, a mission or a reason. I've already talked about having a mission statement. Give them something to live for. We're not just existing day to day. Give them something to live for. Super, super important to understand that. Are we really going to do that? Then finally, the seventh foundation, we're right on time. And this is so important to understand, is Perseverance. Not every day will be a perfect day. Not every day will be great. You say, but I went to three couple streets in a row. I thought everything would be perfect. Just persevere. Don't quit. 
Keep on keeping on. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Dennis Rainey, who's written several good books on parenting, said this, You will get tired. You will experience pain. The ones we sacrifice for are children. By the way, how many of you had braces when you were a kid? How many of you have paid for braces for your kids? When I had to do that for Mark, the guy told me, oh, that will be $4,800. All of a sudden, I was a little more appreciative of my dad putting braces in my teeth. They won't always appreciate it at the time, but they probably will later on. They probably will later on. Mark, I don't know if Mark's ever thanked me for that. Maybe he has once or twice. But if he ever puts braces on his kids' teeth, he'll be more appreciative. Yeah, I, I slept out a credit card to do that. You know, I remember it very well. Right? And uh, that he's not wearing his retainer. You know the feeling. Right? But I look back now. I think of the sacrifices my dad did for us. Seven kids, he paid their he paid their room board all the way through college. We paid our own tuition, except for my sister. She was in the princess program. She got through. But he paid for the room board for us. For us. That was half. I did that for my three kids. And mine cost the same as yours, by the way. I got a thousand off a semester. But boy, I'll tell you what, that last payment, my son got a master's degree, so ten semesters for him, eight for each of the girls. You know, that's twenty-six semesters I'm paying all all the room board for. Or half, if they weren't in the dorms, I paid half anyway. When I did that, when it was done, I'm going, oh, I got rid of that payment. Praise God. You know, that was a blessing. But can I say this? They may not appreciate it at the time, right? But they will later on. So sometimes they will do things that hurt us. Sometimes they will say things that hurt us. They do that because they are children. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22 that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. So don't be surprised. Can you think of dumb things you said when you were a kid? One of the hardest spankings I ever got. My dad literally used a rod. The Bible says, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. He literally had a rod, like a thin dowel. You get faster speed with that than a paddle. It has more air resistance. And uh, by the way, he never hit me anywhere except for the place God made for hitting someone, my rear end. He never whacked off and hit me, never hit me anywhere else. It was always there. Uh, he was always under control. We always went through devotional, how we disobeyed God's law. We had to pray about it, ask God to forgive us, then we get spanking. But he didn't want to chase us. We we had to stand on a, on a washcloth. If we came off the washcloth, we got five extra swats. Horrible. What do you do? You fall over, keep your feet on it, kind of have really good, good flexibility in your ankles. Say, don't hit me while I'm down. Don't hit me while I'm down. You know, that type of thing. So it's a situation where as an individual, right, you're going to go through tough times. You're going to go through hard times, right? But we keep on keeping on anyway. Um, and then finally, let me see this. I have a slide, Chris, of a jar there, if you could bring that up. But I'd like to close with this. This is my dresser at home. Um, on the far right-hand side, there's books, of course, but on the far right-hand side, that's a little coin caddy um, that you would put. The wallet goes to the side where the tail of the kangaroo goes up. You can hang your watch on it. And then there's a little pouch you put change or cufflinks or whatever. No, I don't use it for that. It just sits there. I had that because my grandfather had one. My dad had one. I searched till I found one. I used to look for it everywhere. Uh, I bought one for me. Years later, I found one for my, for my son. So it'd be fourth generation. They're nothing valuable. They're made in the 1950s, something like that. So that's why that's there. That's a picture of my mom and dad. My mom's been in heaven for over 25 years. Uh, that's my current jewelry chest. My wife bought that for me after our last one got stolen. Next to that's a little bust of Robert E. Lee. My mom bought me that when I was in sixth grade. 
uh, we were recruiting teachers at Bob Jones University. She took me to uh, Washington, D.C. to see the monuments. And for those of you who don't know, Arlington National Cemetery, that was Robert E. Lee's home. And the Yankees wanted to make it where he could never go home again, so they buried bodies all over his, his property, so he lost his home. So at the top of Arlington, a place called Lee House. And I was born in the South, so I have that. I totally disagree with, obviously, the whole, probably two of the darkest chapters, the worst chapters of American history are slavery and how we treated the American Indians. But it's, my mom gave it to me. And next to that is a little thing that uh, someone gave me in Japan when I was preaching there. It reminds me to pray for missions. That's the heart of God. Right? He wants to see the world get saved. The next to that, I have this vase. I think I have a close-up of it. Is that the only picture right there? Uh, I bought this very expensive thing at Walmart. <laughs> How many of you like Walmart? And I say amen. It's the third biggest expense in our life. Um, number one expense in my life is Lancaster Baptist Church. Number two, largest expense in my life is my mortgage. And number three is Walmart. We buy just about everything there. We just, we buy, it's, it's, it's our home away from home. And my wife said when she passes away, she wants to be cremated and have her ashes sprinkled in the parking lot so that way her kids would see her every week. No, just kidding. But, uh, no, she didn't say that. But I bought that there. I've had it for a long time. I've had it for over 10 years in my dresser. And what I did was I was going to put marbles in it. And I thought that would be so good to have there, these marbles. And with the marbles, I checked them. They were super expensive. So immediately I said, no, let's save money. Let's not do marbles. And instead I bought those, those, those little glass beads you use when you put flowers arrangements in. They weren't numbered how many were. They were little plastic boxes. had a zipper around the top. And when I poured them all on the table, we counted out. And I counted out 1,040 of them. You say, why would you do that? The Bible says this. It says, teach us to number our days. Think about how long we might have. My thought was, if the Lord was good to me, I might have 20 more years to serve him full time. That would take me to the age of 70. And every Saturday, I do certain things. I prepare for my message the next day. Uh, I shine my shoes. I clip my fingernails. I do it the same day, every, every week. Uh, that which gets scheduled gets done. At the end of the day, before I go to bed, I go to this vase. I, if I've been there for a week, I'll take out one bead and throw it away. Guys, over half of them are gone. Over half are gone. Uh, that really makes you think. When I'm gone for the summer for 12 weeks, I'm taking out 12 at one time and throwing them away. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. You say, well, we've had some things in our marriage that weren't really good. That's okay. Today's the first day of the rest of your marriage life. It's the first day. Forget those things that are past. And by the way, men and ladies alike, don't bring up problems from the past. That's like picking off a scab. You make it bleed again. Let it heal. Don't bring it up. God remembers our sins no more. We can't do that. But we can choose not to bring them up. We have all been hurt. Everybody in the world. right? And you say, well, you know what you did three years, four months, two days ago? My son said to me one day, Dad, I told you I was sorry. You already spanked me for that. Can we not bring it up again? He was right. He was right. I stopped bringing it up. So, Number our days. How many days are left? Then let me show you one more else if I have the lights back on, if I could please. I brought something here that I think you'll find of interest. I think you ladies at least will know what these are. How many know what these are called? Joy got it right. They're called Hummels. Originally made by a nun in Germany. They're very famous little figurines. I think I have three of them in my house. I believe I bought this one in Germany. 
This was actually made on October the 5th, or painted October 5th, 1991. That's the company that produces Goobles. It's called the Merry Wanderer. I think it was for all my traveling. Do you notice know, anything different about these? This cost about $120. This one is half of a salt and pepper shaker. I bought it at a thrift store for a dollar. And from a distance, they both look like Hummels. But this one's real. If you get up close, you can see it's real. You get up close, this one's a fake. Can I say this, parents and spouses? This is from Echo Import in San Francisco, made in Japan. This is West Germany. Can I say this as spouses? And can I say this as parents? When people get up close, they're going to know whether or not we're real. Let's ask the Lord to help us to be a real Christian, to be the real thing, right? Because when people get up close, joy can tell the difference without even seeing little holes for the salt and pepper at the top. This, I've got two or three of these. I look for them in thrift stores now. If I was a place with top floor, throw over a break, it doesn't matter. It's not worth anything. Not this one. That's worth something. Right? Let's live so we're the real thing. Let's live so we're the real thing. Thank you for listening so well. You've been so kind and so friendly. I'm going to be at the back book table, and I hope some of you will take a devotional with you or a book on, on children. Maybe if you have children who are rearing your children, I have two more books on parenting to give to Jonathan Lisa when I see him this week. So why would you do that? I want to help them. All right. The 101 tips is how to be a more effective teacher. One of the tips that I wrote there after teaching college for 30 years is the goal is progress, not perfection. You want your kids to be perfect, you'll never be happy. Hopefully your kids will learn that and you'll learn that. And uh, I hope that'll be a help. Thank you for everything. Pastor, thank you for letting us be here. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Lord, I pray you'll bless each member of the Bible Baptist Church. I pray you continue to bless. I pray its greatest days will be in front of it. I know they had great days back, I think, in the 70s or 60s. Lord, I believe you want to use this church. And the people sitting in front of me are the churches, not the building. We'll be in the building on Sunday. But the churches save baptized believers. And Lord, I pray you bless these folks. I pray you use them. And I pray that even for our having been here for these two days, we'll be a little bit closer as a husband, as a wife, to being what you'd have us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.